it basically says we, we can't do this. The more people dig into the proposal to bring aerial surveillance to St. Louis, the more complications they're discovering. And unless there's someone else who's willing to pay for this, I'm not really sure where that funding comes from. Jurisdictional challenges when we cross into county lines, the police struggle with that all the time. And particularly here in St. Louis, the Missouri Highway Patrol needs to sign off on this. Alderwoman Annie Rice is a critic of the plan. She detailed some of the many issues yet to be resolved today on St. Louis on the Air. Three years or even 18 months is a very long time um, to be rolling out wartime technology over the city of St. Louis. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. The St. Louis Board of Aldermen appeared poised to approve a plan last Friday to bring aerial surveillance to the city. Board Bill 200 would have compelled the mayor's office to contract with persistent surveillance systems. The Ohio company wants to use airplanes equipped with high-resolution cameras to surveil the city to serve as a crime deterrent. Well, the aldermen ended up not voting on the bill. It was moved off the agenda at the last minute on Friday, but that does not mean this plan is dead. And joining us today with the latest is Alderwoman Annie Rice. Annie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me again. So, Annie, people were gearing up for an aldermanic vote on this issue on Friday. What happened there? Do you know what happened there? Um, We weren't given any public indication by the bill sponsor as to why he moved it to the informal calendar. Um, But we, you know, had a lot of big things on the schedule that were going to get debated. And uh, I, you know, there was a lot of pushback and a lot of questions still to be answered. So um, it's not it's not all that unusual for a bill to move to informal so that, uh, you know, either the sponsor can figure something out about it or just so we can debate it at a later date. And with it being on this informal calendar, could this pop up with with fairly short notice at any point? Yes, very much so. So any any bill on the informal calendar can get called up at the beginning of any meeting. Um, so uh, they don't have to give us advance notice of those things. They just they pop up when the meeting starts. Hmm. So with this one, it felt like in the days before the vote, as you say, there were a lot of questions surrounding this one. And some of those questions involved the city councilor's office. They issued an opinion suggesting the alderman did not have the right to do this. You're a lawyer. What exactly was uh, city councilor Michael Garvin saying in this letter? Sure. The... The, the basic uh, argument that he made was that the Board of Aldermen is prohibited by the city charter from um, from creating contracts related to city affairs. So it actually says, and in no case by the Board of Aldermen or a committee thereof. Hmm. Um, so it basically says we, we can't do this. That power rests with the comptroller's office or the mayor's office. It's interesting. I, I kind of loved the response of, of the bill's sponsor. This is Alderman Tom Oldenburg. He told the Post-Dispatch, we get legal opinions all the time from that office. We have voted against what the city councilor has opined in the past. Basically like, hey, we're not allowed to do this. We could still go ahead and do this. Is this all just optional if the city councilor says that you guys can't go forward with this? Well, so what was given to us by the city councilor was not a formal opinion. Um, and because a, a formal opinion by the city councilor can be basically an interpretation of the law that the city uses to then move forward on um, on any of our business. So if you read the charter, under each article, there are sections that say based on uh, a city councilor opinion, right? Hmm. So if it was a formal opinion, it does have the weight behind it that this is how the city interpreted it. interprets the provision. But also that that comes down to what happens if there's a lawsuit as well. If the city councilor has already taken a position that, um, 
this is illegal for us to do. And then perhaps if the city gets sued, if this were to be implemented in this specific case, then you know, the city councilor may not be obligated to defend it. Hmm. That's interesting. And we know that when a similar plan was put in place in Baltimore, it did trigger a lawsuit. This seems like this is something that that could be a problem for this bill going forward, even if the aldermen move forward with it. Are, are you concerned? I Yeah, I think I am, because the, the litigation in Baltimore is not finished. So they're, they're continuing to hear um, the the claims uh, in front of a, a full panel of the Court of Appeals, I believe, uh, because there were some questions about factual representations made uh, by the company in their in their first filings. So that led to the first decision. So now they're they're rehearing the case in bank. Okay. So one of the other issues with this beyond the city councilor's um, uh, recent uh, uh, advice on this is the issue of funding. What do we know about who would be paying for this and whether there's even money for St. Louis to implement this if, if the aldermen say yes? Sure. I That has been one of the most revealing points to me as we've done our research when this bill was brought forward. And then up until now, there had always been an understanding that the Arnold Foundation, who had paid for everything in Baltimore, was also interested in paying here in St. Louis. We've learned now, based on um, Mark Schlinkman at the Post-Dispatch's investigation and then further conversations with the Arnold Foundation, um, that they are not actually uh, committed to St. Louis yet. That is not something that is set in stone, partially because Uh, When this program rolled out in Baltimore, they paid for an investigation on the civil rights and civil liberties of the program done by New York University. And then also the RAND Corporation is supposed to be analyzing the actual effectiveness of the program when it comes to solving crimes, um, investigations, etc. And that report has not been published yet. So we don't... the Arnold Foundation doesn't have information basically on their return on investment in Baltimore yet. And so they are unwilling at the moment to back St. Louis um, in this in this particular program. So um, this has been in front of the, the board in, in a few different variations over the last couple of years. Um, and it had always been attached to that Arnold Foundation funding. With that gone and with Arnold giving the public comment to the Post-Dispatch that it would have to be matched by some public money. Um, there, there's some real warning flags to me. Um, the contract itself does say that no public money will be committed to this, um, but we have not yet heard where other funding might be available or is available because this isn't a cheap program. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we don't know exactly where the funding would come from, but the mayor has signaled that she does not want to commit public money to this. Um, Arnold Foundation says they won't give any money unless there's a public commitment of money. So we're you know, unless there's someone else who's willing to pay for this, I'm not really sure where that funding comes from. So why is this then continuing to be sort of pushed at the Board of Aldermen? You said that the Arnold Foundation, they're waiting to see if this study from the Rand Corporation shows this was effective in Baltimore. Is there talk at the Board of Aldermen that maybe um, you guys want to wait for that same thing? You know, lots of us have asked that question. Um, We have not gotten an answer necessarily as to why we're, why this is being pushed as quickly as it is right now um, hmm. without those questions being answered. So there, um, this bill sponsor was asked at, I believe it was at a community meeting, um, if he would be willing to hold off on the bill until that uh, report from the RAIN Corporation came through. And he said no, uh, that the, the data was uh, 
was not relevant, I guess, to to rolling this out here because this will be a pilot program as well. So I I would love to see us just kind of pause on this. Um, this is the most substantive action we've taken towards this plan um, in the several years that it's been in front of us, but we still, we're not quite there yet. And we, we don't know that the promises being made about this program are actually true. Um, and so I would love to get data back from Baltimore, see what we can learn from it, and then see how it'll affect the city of St. Louis. Because three years or even 18 months is a very long time um, to be rolling out wartime technology over the city of St. Louis. My guest today is Alderwoman Annie Rice. She's here to discuss Board Bill 200, uh, which would compel the mayor's office to contract with persistent surveillance systems. They want to bring um, aerial surveillance to the city. This would be Annie, am I getting this right? Three planes that would be basically flying, I believe, up to 18 hours a day over the city taking high resolution images. Right. That's correct. The map that the owner of the company presented to the Public Safety Committee has three kind of different rectangles over the city or squares over the city of where the planes would be flying. Um, and, you know, one of the questions I, I continue to have about this is the the northernmost segment of, of where the plane is supposed to be flying is significantly over the county as well. And there has not been any conversation or any anything uh, given back to the to the Board of Aldermen about how the county feels about uh, a plane being over their airspace and how, you know, uh, city-county lines, as we are very aware, do not have <laughs> uh, any sort of wall between them, right? And so if a camera, we don't know if they're going to be shutting off the camera when they get over the county property, um, when it comes to jurisdictional challenges, when we cross into county lines, the police struggle with that all the time. So there, there's a lot of unanswered questions there as well. That's a good point. And you're not just talking about unincorporated St. Louis County. There's multiple municipalities there right there on the border that presumably Correct. have their own bodies just like St. Louis City does. Um, boy, that could become a really complicated issue. Yeah. yeah. And we did also learn in in law enforcement, there are a number of agencies that need to be contacted and included when something like this is coming on board. And particularly here in St. Louis, the Missouri Highway Patrol needs to sign off on this. And we have not gotten any word yet uh, from them if they have been involved as well. Um, the the head of our Criminal Justice uh, Coordinating Council has, has given us some information about uh, her concerns and about how this really should be coming back through that coordinating council to to really get to all of these agencies that are working together already around uh, criminal justice in the city of St. Louis, um, and that was that was part of the resolution that was passed over this uh, over the summer to bring this program to St. Louis. Um, but that that communication with the CJCC has not yet happened either. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, Annie, you've been pretty outspoken in your concerns about this aerial surveillance. And one of the reasons we wanted to have you on today to talk about what's going on is you actually have a separate bill that you've proposed. This is related to privacy in the city. How would the passage of this bill that you've worked on, um, which again, this is pending, this has not been, not been approved by the full board, but how would it affect any plan to bring aerial surveillance to the city of St. Louis? That's a great question. So Board Bill 95 is actually the just the most recent iteration of a number of previously proposed surveillance technology um, civilian oversight bills, basically, um, originally proposed by Alderman Terry Kennedy um, as a way to just get a handle um, when the real-time crime center was rolled out, to get a handle on what kind of data the city is collecting on citizens, how it's being used, are there disparate effects there, um, 
and at, I mean, effectiveness of the technology itself. So, And, and Annie, um, just to, to back up for ahead. those who aren't familiar with all the surveillance already in place, the Real-Time Crime Center, um, this there's cameras all over the city, and this now feeds into something that the St. Louis police are monitoring. Right. That's correct. So it, it's, a, it's a live monitoring of a number of cameras around the city, both uh, some that were purchased by the police department or by the public safety department, some that were purchased by private companies or or special business districts that have been tied in um, there. And so things like license plate readers, cameras that can swivel and look down you know, whole blocks. Um, they've been really useful for the police department to to follow cars um, throughout the city, kind of tracking from camera to camera. So there, there has been continual conversation about a privacy policy for the city of St. Louis. And we the most recent policy is from 2014 um, and is is fairly lax when it comes to the data that is required by the police department to be given to the public. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that Board Bill 95 sets out to do is create a process that the police department every year would need to come in front of the Public Safety Committee and report back what, what they're working with. Um, how it's being used, is it effective, um, are there disparate effects uh, to racial groups in the city of St. Louis, you know, are they being used predominantly against black citizens of the city, um, is that, you know, it, how all of that kind of shakes out. So we really want some data analysis of what's being used in our city. Um, and the other piece is that if they're going to roll out a new type of technology, that would also need to come before the Board of Aldermen. All of this would start in the um, the Civil Rights Enforcement Agency is a division of the city government. Mm-hmm. They would have the first bite at reviewing what comes forward from the police department, and then it would come to the Public Safety Committee. So we're not asking for every camera to be approved or you know every new placement of something to be approved. But if they were to want to bring in a new technology like surveillance planes, um, then that would need to come in front of the board for a full public hearing so that the, the public has a real opportunity to see what it is that is being proposed and uh, to weigh in on approval so that there's a sort of a legislative democratic check on uh, what we're doing here. Um, so this sounds like um, there's a lot of good common sense type ideas in this. You introduced this latest iteration of this bill last July. What's the status of this one? So this one is also on the informal calendar, uh, the mm-hmm. perfection calendar. There has been some hesitation and, and frankly, some misunderstanding about what the bill is and what it isn't. The bill itself does not contain a privacy policy. The bill is asking for the Civil Rights Enforcement Agency to create a private a, a privacy policy. And that's actually something. So it would take about six months to get started there. And from there, then we would roll out the necessary reports from the police department um, to move forward. So there's there's been some miscommunication. Obviously, if, if Alderman Terry Kennedy proposed something very similar to this several years ago, it, this is a big haul. It's, it's a little bit like I would equate it to the Civilian Oversight Board in that um, it is, it's not very popular to take uh, oversight from the police department and put it in the hands of the legislative body or the public. And so it, it's, it's hard to move something like this forward to get enough uh, support there. So we have a number of co-signers, um, co-sponsors on the bill, um, and I'm, I'm still hopeful that we can get something done. And uh, we'll be meeting with Chief Hayden and some of his um, officers from the Real-Time Crime Center to see if we can, we can really hash out 
some final language in the bill and get something passed. Is one of the concerns for people who oppose this or are just not wanting to move forward with it, that if the Civil Rights Enforcement Agency is tasked with this, that it would block anything like, say, this aerial surveillance plan during the time that they're working on that? Absolutely. Right. So while the bill itself does not prevent any type of technology to be coming forward in the city of St. Louis, it does make every new technology have to be public and have to be approved, right? So there are things like um, Stingray technology is something that was used against protesters uh, in the city of St. Louis, and it's cell phone tracking technology. That was not revealed publicly until a lawsuit uh, happened that revealed that they were tracking cell phones. Um, Anything having to do with, you know, facial recognition technology, things like that, it (laughs) law enforcement doesn't necessarily want to put all of their cards on the table um, when they're talking about investigations and tools that they use. Um, But I believe that it is is our right as citizens of the city of St. Louis to know what is is being used out there, Um, and particularly for defense attorneys to have access to the same information, to to know what it is that they're looking for when they're attempting to defend their clients. So, Alderwoman, this privacy bill, this is now on the informal calendar, same as this aerial surveillance plan. What would it take to get it moved to an up or down vote? Who, Who has the ability to move it to that point? So at the moment, I have the sole ability to take it off of the informal calendar and put it back in front of the full board for consideration for perfection. And that will likely involve a few amendments, which uh, I had previously proposed, but um, the Public Safety Committee wanted to send it back to committee uh, to rehear the bill again. Um, I'm, I'm opposed to sending it back to the Public Safety Committee because it was it was voted out by the committee uh, with a due pass recommendation. It has been heard a number of times in each of its different forms um, in front of the Public Safety Committee with, uh, with law enforcement and the Public Safety Department present at those hearings. And so um, I really, I think that we can hash this out on the floor of the board. And I am hopeful that uh, we can we can move that forward here sooner than later. So is your plan you're going to bring this to the to the full board soon? I hope so. I like I said I still have some significant conversations to have with the SLMPD and to learn a little bit more what their specific concerns are and see if we can find a way forward through the middle there without sacrificing the civilian oversight piece of this that I, I think is vital uh, moving forward. Well, Alderwoman Annie Rice, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and getting us up to speed on all of this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.